welcome to the Whispers of the Soul podcast, hosted by Sally Ann Marla and Sibby Spencer. Every week we dive into spiritually rich topics to create conscious conversations to help you, the listener, deepen into your own soul wisdom and practice. The space we create through our discussions invites you into your own inner world whilst we explore ours and our guest speakers. We come together to share stories, creativity, wisdom, insights and laughter. If you feel it's time to become more curious about your own uniquely creative, expressive self that makes you, well, you, then you are in good company. Well, hello, everybody. We are here for our sixth, our sixth episode, um, which is called Your Body Remembers What You Forget. And we have a fabulous guest speaker with us today, which is the wonderful Liz Underwood um, from Intelligent Movement Somatics. Um, I'm Sally. And I'm Sibby. And we're very excited to kick off another fabulous episode yeah i can't believe we've done six well we're doing six well number yeah. six we're doing yeah it was a good job we weren't doing number two because that would send us <laughs> yes. up on a whole other trajectory really wouldn't it <laughs> yes it is a good we job. are doing number six that's what we're doing <laughs> oh god i can tell how it's gonna go now. uh well it's you know january blues are very real for people we need to we need to laugh. Use a little bit we of humour here and there. Exactly. <laughs> so the wonderful Liz that's with us today, um, I've met, I met Liz some years ago. Um, very, very privileged and honoured to call her a friend. Her work that she does is incredible. Um, last year, towards the end of last year, she was in the OM yoga show. She was one of the exhibitors there and um, she did a couple of demos there leading some groups and classes um she was also in their magazine in november issue um which was calling which was called sensing yourself from within and again in the december issue um your posture keeps the score we like that title um and then in january 2023 she (laughs) lands herself on the front page (laughs) which is friggin awesome it is um and then there's also another magazine i don't know if you guys have heard of it called natural health where um, liz is actually featured and she's sharing some of her wisdom and her knowledge on the practice of somatics for their readers um so i will stop my living on and (laughs) say hello liz and welcome hi liz Hi, Sibby. Hi, Sadliam. So for people that are listening, um, and you probably probably don't like this question, but just as a general overview, what is somatics for people that are listening, if they've not heard of it or done any practice of it? No, it's a good question. And people usually look at me in a very blank way until I explain about it. And it needs a description And I would say somatics is now where Pilates probably was about 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, had heard of it, but didn't really understand what it was. And it is a movement method. 
and the type of somatics that I teach is um, developed by Thomas Hanna. He was a philosopher and he was really interested in people being free, having uh, the choice choices to know how to help themselves out of pain and move with freedom. And as a philosopher as well, it, it went a lot deeper than that. You know, when you have an understanding of whatever scenario it gives you choices doesn't it and freedom and mm-hmm. that was he was passionate about that and he was really passionate about um as we get older we should actually improve we have all this knowledge all this experience and yet as we get older it's not our, generally it's not we don't lose that wisdom or that experience but it's usually our bodies that start to let us down and he says that doesn't have to be the case. We can improve as we age and continue to improve as we age. And so essentially somatics, it's, it's known as also known as somatic movement education. It's known as hammer somatics. And he is a neuromuscular movement practice. So essentially it's your brain that controls the tension level of your muscles and over time, through repetitive movements we ha- and thoughts and feelings, we can habituate muscular tension mm. so that even when we go to bed, you know, our muscles don't switch off <laughs> because our brain, once we've habituated something, it's the lower part of our brain known as the subcortex. This is the science part. Oh, yes. We need a bit of science <laughs> to like that. The <laughs> cortex of the brain that actually holds on to the muscle tension right I'm already getting a a sort of a a aha moment Liz just personally because um we were having a conversation before we came on uh, and I have sort of ongoing shoulder and neck pain and it's actually worse at night it's worse at night and I've thought well I'm not tense at night as far as I know I'm you know I, I maybe I don't have a great pillow I don't know but um, I've never thought of the the fact that obviously you're if it, if it's that part of your brain if that part of my brain is still working then I'm not actually relaxing I suppose is what is what you mean exactly. like my muscles aren't relaxing because they're so used to being in that tense state which I've never I've never sort of thought of it that way so yeah. that's pretty awesome and an aha moment in the first few minutes <laughs> but you know I come from a yoga background and when I started to take my somatics training, it was it was just like, why don't we why don't we know more about this? It was mm-hmm. it was like that for me. It was like as a yoga teacher, why do I not know this? It was such a you know a light bulb moment. Mm-hmm. So it's essentially if you think about when when we learn anything, be it to feed ourselves, to write, to walk, to drive a car, everything everything. Once we've learned that, we've learned it. And then we don't have to think about it because if we did, it would take us forever to, to do anything. Mm. So it's the same part of the brain. Once it's learned, it's banked. Yeah. And once muscle tension is learned and it's it's repetitive, it's banked. So that if you spend, you know, your day with your shoulders pulled up towards your ears enough times, then your brain thinks that that's your normal. Mm. And then the reason why they start to feel sore is because it takes energy 
and that energy produces lactic acid in its layman's terms and that's what that's what creates soreness so would you say yeah sorry to sorry i didn't mean to interrupt um because i know i've looked into kind of a bit dabbled a bit in neuroscience and the um is it called synaptic pruning where you sort of like um cut cut a neural path not cut a neural pathway sort of like destroy a neural pathway replace it with a new one i'm not explaining very neuroplasticity neuroplasticity where you sort of create a new neural pathway and then the one that say the old one that was making you do that thing gradually um falls sort of comes to a I can't explain it because it's very visual, isn't it? Yeah. It's almost like it, it stops it and then withers out. It sort of stops, yeah. doesn't it? So would you say that somatics kind of, in a way, does it sort of bridge that gap then between the, your body's habits and your your habitual ways of thinking? If I'm putting that, yes, because we call it sense, we call it. Um, somatic movement education so that you are re-educating so you're creating a new possibility a new neural pathway Mm. once something is learned it's never it's never it's never forgotten in your brain Mm. so you want to um create a new neural pathway and let the other one kind of like fade more into the background, but it'll never go. So mm. let's say sometimes people might have a, even just they feel like they've, they've um, overcome some, you know, muscular chronic issue or dysfunctional pattern. They have a, they have um, a slight injury. It could be they just trip or they might be poorly and they might find that they go back into that pattern, back into that original dysfunctional pattern because mm-hmm. that might be your 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 nervous system's comfort zone so yeah. we can easily go get pulled back into those original patterns yeah yeah so interesting but the biggest the biggest uh, really important element with somatics is understanding how our nervous system our nervous system responses to stress how that really impacts what's happening in our posture and our muscles mm. Right. When we are repeatedly stressed, we can have different types of stress. We can have like anxiety or we can have um, stress where we feel under constant pressure, you know, trying to juggle everything. Mm. And we feel the responsibility of being a carer, a parent, or just running your own business, just life. I mean, you know, who doesn't feel stressed? Yeah. So yeah. Certain de- times of our life. And so the different stress um, triggers can uh, influence the way that we respond through nervous system wise. So think about the fight, flight and freeze responses. Mm. So the, the startle reflex, if we were to hear a really loud explosion or a really loud bang, we would all flinch within yeah. milliseconds like so. So the front of the body contracts and we, you know, we do that to protect our organs and what what happens there is the chest muscles tighten the abdominal muscles tighten and the limbs everything pulls into the center and so um that is that startle reflex it's a protective reflex now we can habituate that 
in that split second, you know, people that have, you know, witnessed a, a, something very traumatic can become physically stuck in that pattern, but also emotionally stuck in that pattern. Mm. It can habituate that pattern over time. So let's say you are continually anxious and we can become anxious by what we see in the news, reading yeah. a paper or what we're actually, you know, have experienced over the last two years um but also you know we might be worried about our work we might be worried about a family member we might be experiencing grief now if that's repeatedly felt we will start to habituate that same same startle reflex Mm. we call that the red light reflex in somatics tom hannah he called it the red light reflex where we stop Mm -hmm. and so our nervous system it keeps our muscles in that pattern of contraction so we can habituate it immediately or you know long-term chronic chronically Mm. and so those same muscles the chest muscles the abdominal muscles even down into the legs even into the arms and head they'll all hold tight and then our nervous system doesn't know that we are you know we are um our muscles are contracted because of you know that immediate trauma traumatic event or whether it's because of over a long-term thing it just knows that we are stuck in that cycle that anxiety startle reflex Mm. yeah we can also habituate that reflex through movement or non-movement through we might have you know um severe abdominal pain we might be uh had have have had surgery that you know has cut through the abdominal muscles or you know uh um spleen spleen removal anything where we've had pain through the front of the body we're going to cower over that in a protective way there's a tendency to do that and people you know when that happens Liz people don't the doctors don't really um discuss that with you in terms of recovery because I know in recovery of certain things if you break a bone or something then you can get physio and things but if you've had a procedure they don't bring that into the arena in terms of you being aware of what your body might be doing because that's what got me as you know got me into that situation when I had my appendix out at that very young age and the trauma response and I was I mean I was you know live or die it was really bad because it was leaking into my tummy it perforated so I was really poorly and I think my whole body just went in but because of my asthma when I was a kid that was untreated for five years my body was already going in like Mm -hmm. in my chest and everything so it kind of accentuated that and that's when I said after that procedure I just felt like I woke up with one leg longer than the other Mm -hmm. and couldn't make sense of it and it just got left for years and years and years until like you say that posture became habituated and I didn't realize that all those muscles were literally pulling that hip up because it's trying to come in you know in that in response to that trauma that I went through but they don't none of this is really talked about is it in sort of the mainstream you just go in you have your procedure you go home yes because a lot of mainstream um, consultants, surgeons, doctors, they don't understand. We call it sensory motor amnesia. Mm. Tom Hammer, he developed, he coined that phrase, mm. developed that theory. And so he understood 
that you know even even surgery and how you respond to the build up to that surgery and post surgery you will still be holding on to those muscles mm. even even after the surgery is rectified you know and taken away the pain taken away whatever was diseased causing that illness those muscles will still be holding tight yeah it not it will not have changed the brain's response and control over those muscles so you know with the amnesia i, I remember you saying something around the that disconnect that takes place between the body and the brain almost um and and, and that obviously lends itself then to those automated or habitual patternings um i, I mean can the, in terms of in terms of working that out for yourself if you've got this what what can people do do you think what can they because i know that you were talking um before um about just having more of a, an awareness in your body is that would you say that's more of a, that's a starting point for people or is there something else that they need to be thinking of first yeah for most people their starting out point might be pain or tension Mm. feeling just like just that their body's not just doesn't feel right in their own skin yeah um but definitely um awareness then is is the next starting point okay so we'll spend time whether we're working with a client or in a class we'll spend time what we call in a soma scan so you are literally scanning yourself from head to heels just sensing whether you're in standing or whether you're lying on your back. Mm. So, and, and standing in a way where you're not trying to stand correctly. Yeah. It's <laughs> often, you know, when you, you know, when you go and do yoga or Pilates, you're told how to stand without actually start sensing where you're starting out from. Mm. So you can't change what you can't feel. So first of all, you get a true sense of the way that your nervous system, your brain is holding you. So we 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 start to get we and every every class, every lesson you would do this because you're honing those awareness skills. Yeah. So that you don't then start to sense it just in class. You'll start to sense it, mm. you know, you're living your life. And you Which might it's huge, isn't it? That's massive. It's yeah. so, such a massive breakthrough for people that are in this situation within their bodies when they start to sense that and then can work to correct or restore a, a healthier posture or, you know, releasing that holding, those holding patterns. Yeah. It's also like a sense of empowerment, isn't there? That, I mean, I know Sally was describing some work that she'd done with you, Liz, that it could be sort of a very tiny, a very tiny movement, but the release from it is is much you know I think yeah I think um because I do I do you know I mean I might come I might come and see you <laughs> after this podcast not straight after don't worry I'm not going to turn up on your doorstep <laughs> I'm here yeah but um but yeah I think it's it can feel overwhelming as somebody who suffers with you know pet ongoing pain like to think right I really I have to I have to start doing this in my life or you know and and it feels a big thing because 
it's been going on such a long time. It's hard to believe that you can do something simple to fix it. Does that make sense? So I've all, I think you've almost got this mental block of, yeah, but it's going to be really hard to fix this because you've had it for so long. And do you find that people, does that happen with other people that come to you? Yeah, absolutely. Because they also think the answer is outside of themselves. Mm. They also think it's going to take somebody else to fix them. Yeah. And this is the empowerment. This is the freedom that Thomas Hannah wanted for us. Because most, most muscular pain or most musculoskeletal pain or chronic pain is muscular unless you've been diagnosed with um what, what did you have, Sally Ann? What did you have removed? Gall, not gallbladder. Um, My appendix. Appendix. Unless it's something like that, most pain is muscular. And if it's muscular, in the, I'd say 95% of the time, you can deal with it. Mm. You can deal with it. But we, we are told, oh, well, no, actually, you need to go and see a consultant. You need to go and see a physio and okay people would say to me yeah but coming to see you Liz is like coming to see a physio no it's not because in the biggest most part you're you're still doing the movements I'm guiding you I'm giving you a little bit of hands-on feedback but that's just to send a clearer message to your brain mm. but you're still doing the work because only unknowingly subconsciously you've created this pattern and only you can really change it mm. that's the empowering part of it yeah and yeah. if you if you go to a physio and they give you a set of exercises most people a will do them begrudgingly and b they're very much on that like you say the outside of i've been told this so they're not engaged or within their body in terms of having that awareness from within they're just doing something repetitive because the physio's told them and by the way we're not dissing physio we're just no. giving an example of how we can be very absent minded with practices that actually are, can help um if we put ourselves back in fully back in with awareness into our body it's almost like that exchange that you have with somebody that you go and see for help mm. Is that, you know, is there something in that dynamic that's different, you know, depending on the sort of practitioner you see? Like, does, does that make sense? Maybe your the exchange that people have with you, Liz, is more of a here, um, yeah, don't not sort of go away and do this, but actually connect with yourself, <laughs> you know, and that's a different feeling, isn't it, that people probably walk away with. And uh, like, not to dis physio, I, I mean, I have at one point had, I think it depends on perhaps who you see and what your problem is doesn't it and um, I have had like effective physio but I think that thing of going away and doing exercises I know I I I won't do the Mm. I mean that's (laughs) I don't go away and do the exercises you know no but it's like we're missing a trick aren't we yeah we're missing missing the point the point we're we're missing that inner ability that ability to connect and really hear hence this this (laughs) the name of this podcast your body remembers what you forget like your body's so full of wisdom it, it, it knows yeah. so much and we don't really tap into that and and that applies across the field in all sorts of things from people you know with body shame or worrying mm-hmm. about what size they are and that the the outside focus is to look a certain way instead of the inside focus to be 
I want to feel a certain way. Mm. I want to feel better by eating this, this, and this. And it, mm. it, we're we're in this sort of topsy turvy, um, <laughs> kind of parallel reality of everything is supposed to come from the outside, but actually we're completely missing the point, which yeah. somatics actually you know captures beautifully in the sense of landing you back in to your avatar, your vessel, your mm. physical self, but realizing the connection of that between the mental, emotional, spiritual, you know, and, and all that goes with it. It's quite like you say, Liz, it must, um, it must be very empowering um, for others to experience, but also for you to witness, particularly if you're witnessing people's, you know, improvements and some, I know you've had some great, you know, feedback, haven't you, over the years that you've been doing it. Yes, I mean, only last week I taught a class and it was all about, you know, one of the, we, we relearn how to walk in somatics because, you know, our habitual patterns affect the way that we walk. Mm. First of all, we sense how we walk and then we do lots of movement explorations around that. The technique that we use in somatics is is completely unique as well. So that's what sets it apart from anything else. But um, so this Last week's class was all around the pelvis and the legs, but we're always coming back to the center of the body. We did all of that work and then I had all of those movements and then I had students message me to say, even though we focused on the pelvis, they said, oh, I've had this real issue in my upper back, my trapezius muscles not been able to release for weeks. She's you know very bodily aware. She's a movement practitioner herself. Yeah. She articulate which muscles she could feel wouldn't, wouldn't let go and it released. But the work was all around the pelvis. Mm. So we're always sensing that relationship. So that's another really empowering thing. You know, people think, oh, I've got a problem in my in my shoulder blade. It's gonna, I need to focus on my shoulder blade. And that's where lots of other practitioners will do that. We don't. We look at the whole body pattern. Mm. Which yeah. makes complete sense because it's all working together as a system, isn't it? Like I said, you know, if we were to hear that that loud bang or if we were you know anxious for you know a month we would soon habituate that full body pattern of contraction through the front and you know it our brain tenses us in one pattern yeah whether that's whether that's habituated through a physical thing or a mental or emotional thing and then I had another student email me to say then the arthritis that I have in my right knee has enabled after last week's class, I was able to walk around the village almost pain free for the first time in years. Mm, that's incredible. That is amazing. And sometimes it just takes that one lesson or that one movement to do that. Mm. You know, you know, like for example, with arthritis, we're we're told it's around, it's about the bone receding and rescinding, and you know, the cartilage and everything kind of, you know, it's that. Because I was I was listening to what you were saying about most of it's muscular, and when we work from that point of view, we can you know how does arthritis sit in that with that? Well, Thomas Hanna would say most arthritis is is a result of muscular tension compressing the joint, right? And so, um, and, and my, my my teacher Martha Peterson, she was told she had arthritis in the hip, and she questioned that with her surgeon. She said, how can you know from that x-ray? It's arthritis. And um, 
she just wasn't taking that what he'd said and she went away she did her somatic movements and you know the hip pain her hip pain you know it was really relieved her hip pain Mm -hmm. she's never had that hip replacement that she was told she needed so you know it's very different on a case you know individual case by case basis but you know for a lot of people when they're given that arthritis diagnosis they think the inevitable inevitable is surgery and replacement yeah Yeah, Um, which is what I was told when they said I've got it in both knees but my right knee is worse because I've got this tear in my meniscus that they think's been there since childhood and then they said it's they also thought it was in my right hip which Liz as we know is the one that I've been holding in that pattern around because that's the side of the appendix Mm -hmm. so it's it's interesting to think about instead of the focus being on well you're doomed your bones you know because Mm -hmm. I I mean people with even with rheumatoid as well it's slightly different but my auntie, I mean, she's getting on, bless her. She's in her early 80s now, but she's been on medication her whole life. She follows what doctors tell her. I mean, I've tried to talk to her about alternative therapies, but <laughs> to no avail. But, um, you know, she still, to this day, takes massive amounts of calcium because she's told her bones are very weak or brittle or what, I can't, I don't know what they're saying to her, but basically she needs an excess of calcium um and now she's got all these problems with gallstones and all sorts of things where you know her body is calcified mm, gosh the excess in some way um that's causing these issues so it does make you think about well how much is it about almost the structure around the bone mm-hmm. and how much of it is about the bone mm-hmm. you know because i mean it- arthritis isn't within my field of expertise because that's an, an autoimmune is autoimmune isn't it yeah and, and I know somebody who you know a nutritionist who helped her has helped her daughter functional nutritionist has helped her daughter with rheumatoid arthritis mm-hmm. medicine yeah I think it's about looking it's about looking out there and questioning isn't it sometimes it, with a diagnosis can feel very final and mm-hmm. and like right that's it for the rest of your life <laughs> But it's kind of about thinking, well, actually, there might be an alternative way of treating yes. it. Mm. Because people can then become frightened of moving their bodies. Like, I get yeah. told I've got a slip disc, I've got a crumbling spine. I, I, and then they daren't do anything. And then they become rigid because they're fearful. Mm. And then they don't, they don't move their bodies in ways that, in all the different options that we have to move our body. And, and, it, the important thing is to try and keep your body moving as much as you can mm. to redu- limit that rigidity because that mm. in itself is going to cause even more dysfunction. And with somatics, even if you, you're in so much pain, you can't move. What you can do is visualize the movement and that is just as powerful. Because the brain, your brain believes, believes. Still, brain and your, your muscles will still move. You're still, you can still sense the slightest movement so amazing how how can I ask Liz I know Sally's known you for longer than 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 me but what was it that made you um delve into this into somatics I know you said you've got a background in yoga was there something that made you look further yes because 
as a yoga teacher, I often struggled with a lot of um, the more bendy uh, postures. Mm. I know yoga isn't just about postures, but what we see now, it, you know, as it's portrayed, it it is. And I I really struggled with those. And also, even with the most modified, uh, simple postures, I would look at my students and think, why are they struggling? Mm. And even with all the props, and you could see that they, they just looked so uncomfortable. Mm. And um, my back pain was increasing, and I'd also had a shoulder injury, and that wasn't getting any better. So I was just, I was getting very despondent. Mm. as a teacher as a yoga teacher and so I was always searching so I trained in a yoga therapy two-year yoga therapy course which was you know beneficial everything that I've learned has been beneficial but I still still didn't quite answer my questions and then through that my mentors from my yoga therapy training had started to mention somatics but in one of my very first yoga trainings I experienced somatics only in like in one afternoon session, but I was intrigued with that. Mm-hmm. And also there were two elements to my yoga yoga training where we did lots of strong yoga in the morning, but then two hours of what my teacher called it was self-awakening yoga. And it was really exploratory and I loved it. You were inquiring all the time. You weren't, you know, just putting your body in positions and doing it because that's what the teacher said. It was Notice when you lift your shoulder, what happens to your pelvis. It is really feeling those connections. So I love that. My yoga therapy training was similar, but it still didn't recognize the how the brain holds on to that, has that sensory motor amnesia or the reflexive patterns that we adopt. I, mean, I mentioned the, the startle reflex known as the red light reflex. But there's also two more. There's the green light reflex pattern, which tightens the muscles in the back of the body. And the other reflex that Tom Hanna, he named it the trauma reflex, but it's, I was back in the 70s and 80s, but we refer to it as the the avoidance reflex, where it's where the side of the body cringes and tightens away from surgery. Impression of one shoulder lifting higher than the other. Yeah, or down and one hip lifting up. Yeah. So it looks like you've got one leg shorter than the other. Mm. And so once I understood, once I understood that from when my mentors started mentioning somatics, you know, when you hear something so many times, it's like the universe going, yeah, look into this. Yeah. Like, look into this. And it'll keep <laughs> nudging you until you do. <laughs> yes. And I took this training course also with a lady who just studied the psoas muscle. That's a muscle that attaches the, from the legs up to the spine. And um, she said, because the psoas is a muscle that is stretched too much and it's people stretch out their hip flexors and it's really not, um, it doesn't, it's not good for that muscle. And um, she said, there's only two movements, two movement practices I recommend to nourish this muscle. It's the first muscle that's actually grown in the body as well in utero, which I think is fascinating. she said somatics and swimming. I thought, okay, I've heard this word enough. <laughs> There's like lots of arrow signs going, Liz, go and study this. Yes. And I bought the book and just thought, right, I need to train in this. I bought Tom Hanna's book mm. and I thought I need to go and train in this. And it was like the pennies dropped. 
And I remember being in my first class with Martha and um, as a yoga teacher, thought I was aware and thought I knew how to release my tight muscles. This is like beyond that. Mm. And I was like, this is what it feels like. It's like coming back to yourself. It's like coming back home to yourself. That's been my experience, Liz, working with you. It really has. Because and you don't realize the 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 irony is you don't realize you weren't home. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. and that's right. You've been home for so long. <laughs> you that's got right. what it feels like <laughs> disconnect. You know, there's a, that disconnect, and that's why that's why we refer to it as somatic. So soma is a, a, a being that can consents consents yourself from within. Mm, I love that sense. Mm. You know, when you're when that tension's coming back into your body, you're that aware you can catch it, and you can self-correct. And uh, can I just say on that point because obviously I've worked with Liz a couple of times in person, maybe two or three times in person, but actually, well, actually more if you count when we were doing it in lockdown on the phone, um, and a couple of Liz's classes. But I've also um, been able to access her amazing beginner series which I'm sure we'll be able to pop a link in Liz um, for people listening that are like oh man I need somatics in my life now (laughs) well don't fret because Liz is here with her beginners course (laughs) she (laughs) she will be there to help you and guide you but when I went through this process you know I had a very a very sort of on off start with it in like within that within that time of working with you, Liz, I've almost felt like I'd been, uh, the best way to explain it is I've been lined back up, right? Mm-hmm. But with because because I'd been out of alignment for so long, the lining back up into alignment didn't feel right because I was so used to being out of alignment. And of course, my body over time was like, oh, like you, you explained about what happens with the brain and the body and it just went back to its usual holding pattern and this happened to me on off on off over a year or so potentially longer um and then there was this more awareness around what was actually going around with the hip and I don't know if I've said this to you recently but it's only been probably the last three months or even two months where I've been sat not thinking about my body particularly I've been sat grab a book to read in bed or I've been sat with a tea on the sofa and all of a sudden I've got this awareness in my back around my back of my hip bone of this muscle literally it feels like it's gone in and it's grabbed my hip bone and pulling it up Mm -hmm. but it was so isolated and specific and it didn't feel like it was it felt really deep muscle like really in there doing this and I'm thinking oh and for me that was a massive breakthrough because I had got to that place where I was able to go in and sense it and feel it happening. And then I did the practice that Liz had taught me about the release work and letting it go and kind of, you know, doing the movement in and releasing. And that's been ongoing now, particularly the last month, to the point now where it's not doing it. And I'm so excited in my hip. If I put my hands on my hip, because Liz taught me this thing of if you put your hands on your hip, hips, sorry, you can see if one hand looks like it's sitting slightly higher than the other, you can see there's an you're out of alignment, which you may be experiencing as one leg short than the other, but it's not. It's about your hips. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, and it actually looks, it's not a hundred, it's not a hundred percent there, but oh my god, is it better? 
Yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't have been able to have, A, understood that about my body, B, realised the connection to the appendix being taken. I wouldn't have understood any of that had it not have been for working with you and understanding more about somatics. Which is why we encourage a daily practice as much as possible, because every day we build stress in our bodies through what we do, what we don't do. And, you know, we always, I use the analogy of brushing your teeth. You would not not brush your teeth. So mm-hmm. why would you not clear away that muscle tension that you've built up at the end of the day? Mm, yeah. The morning, if you wake up feeling stiff and tight. Yeah. Why would you not just do a few simple movements? Exactly. Like recalibrate the muscle tension, brain and muscle tension. And then also what we don't want to do is get stale with our movement practice either or stale with our daily movements, you know, whether we spend a lot of time at the computer or we do. Like my my niece is a gardener, so you can imagine the kind of repeated movements that she's doing. So we need to remind the body of all the different movements that we can do, which is why, you know, a weekly class, where you where you're going through loads of different movements there's always a different theme it's just so important mm. a because you're having to really think about what you're doing so it's great for new neural networks yeah and also you know it's help it's challenging you to move in different ways and just feel more more comfortable in your own body and who doesn't want to feel like that exactly sounds awesome and <clears throat> just if for people that are listening, if they want to kind of start to become more aware, what what can they do at home? Because I know when I've worked with you, you might say to me, Sally, just sense how you're standing, but don't try and correct it. And or if we're lying on the floor, it might be how much contact is your calf having or your your butt cheeks or your <laughs> shoulders and just be aware of, you know, what sort of things can people just as a beginning, oh, I'm interested in this. I just want to kind of have some more awareness of what's actually happening as I am now what what could they do if you're listening to this in your seat just become aware of how you're sitting Mm. you know if you're if you're sitting on a chair like a dining style chair or desk chair just notice if you've gone back into a slump position are you heavier through one sitting bone Mm. you know how are your legs are they crossed have you got one leg crossed over the other and just feel all the tension around all of the different ways that you're seated Mm. and maybe you can't feel any tension and that's the thing with sensory motor amnesia is that you become desensitized in a sense so you can't sense it yourself initially it's actually tensing so just noticing your patterns and maybe even something like um the way that you hold a pen or peeling the potatoes, are you really tense in your hand? Are you really gripping? Are you tense in the, you know, to do that action, your shoulder might be coming forwards. Um, so just notice patterns that you're repeating. Mm-hmm. That's the starting point because we're often so unconscious in our habitual movements. Yeah. But that's, yeah. that's a really good starting out point. Just noticing, you know, when you, if when you I don't know when you stand to brush your teeth do you sit sink into one hip a little bit more mm. or do you normally brushing your teeth and <laughs> trying to do something else at the same time <laughs> yeah again that's a pattern in itself mm. you know yeah 
Yeah, because even simple things with shoulders, a lot of people, shoulders will rise and they have no idea that their yeah. shoulders are going up. Mm. You so. know, do you repeat, do you have this, if you have a handbag, mm. generally one shoulder will lift at hold. Yeah. Even if it's across the body bag, that shoulder will still lift. Yeah. And it will sit differently and it'll even affect the way that you walk if it's an across the body bag. And if it's on your shoulder, it will affect the way that you walk because that will hit that hit that shoulder will be up. And yeah. Mm -hmm. and, do you know that's what that's just made me think of when I when my kids were little, I noticed it more with Amber number two. <laughs> I would if I was going to whack them on a hip, it would always be my right hip. Yeah, because I didn't realize at the time my right hip was sitting slightly up anyway. But I remember a few times, you know, when you're like aching when you're holding them, and I'm like, oh man. And when I put them around onto my left hip, I couldn't hold them. No, I was the same. I could not hold them on my left hip. And, and in hindsight, now I know what that's about. Mm, I yeah. know why. And that is important to balance that out because that to, to try and to try and do that. Mm. So yeah, that's a classic one. Yeah with toddlers and things on their hip so just something to be mindful of well Liz thank you so much for talking about this fascinating topic we will put your link in for your beginner series and your website and if they want to have a look at your classes because you do online classes as well don't you so all of that we will pop in the bio mm -hmm. um but it's been it's been amazing for us hasn't it and yeah really fascinating hopefully for the listeners too Thank you. I mean, when I first came across somatics, it was like, I have to teach this. So I stopped teaching yoga because I knew I needed to spread the word. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's part of your purpose, Liz. Cheers. <laughs> Somebody who goes, I need that, then my job is done yeah, exactly <laughs> and that's got to keep you going hasn't it yeah definitely thank you so much Liz that's been great thank you 